So last week we looked at uh, discipling in the local church setting. Again, not saying that discipling outside the setting is bad or anything, but that we've been given this local setting, so it's, it's a good thing to use because it's kind of submitting to what God has given you. Um, so the next four weeks, we're kind of getting more into the how-to classes. Um, we'll be looking at four spiritual disciplines. We'll be looking at Bible intake, prayer, learning, and evangelism. Um, and this week, we'll be looking at a combination of Bible intake and learning that's found in careful Bible study. So as we enter these how-to lessons, because we've set this up for weeks, defining a lot of things, kind of getting on the same page about discipleship and holiness and um, as we go into these how-to lessons, <clears throat> we want to start where the root, like if it's the discipleship tree, we want to get to where the root and the foundation of our ability to disciple resides, and that is in the Word of God. So hopefully we understand that the root of our discipling is not in our good advice that we've accumulated from experience. Um, I love the book Tuesdays with Maury. It's a good book. It's, an, it's a young man sitting next to an old man at his deathbed getting advice from him. Well, that's great, but that's a, that's a, what would you say, just a common grace in this world to take in events, to learn things, and to pass them on. But when it comes to eternal things, discipleship, we get that from the Word of God. And the word of God then influences the way that we uh, speak about its truth. And that's far, far different from just worldly wisdom. Um, so it's not just our good advice. And it's also not just simply listening like a counselor. Uh, if somebody has an issue just being like, I was there to listen. That was good. I'm good to go. Discipleship done. It's like, well, the word of God's really important. And it should have, uh, you know, should have been there somewhere. And if it's not, that's okay. Figure it out the next time. Try to figure out, or go back with whatever they said, go back, look at it, and then go and talk to them again. That's the relationship, right? It's the relationship aspect. Um, so our work in discipling has a goal and a purpose in mind. Um, that might seem clear, but it's very easy to forget. Uh, and we want to see our brother or sister, we want to see them grow actively we want to see them grow progressively and consistently all right those over here active actively progressively and consistently i believe it's a <laughs> so uh, you can see the different things going on there we want them to be active it's not just word it's word and deed but with god's word you get the word you're active with the word and when you're active you also want it to be uh, sanctifying progression if you don't see progression it's possible that the activity is not happening <laughs> And then consistency is also very helpful. They, they all kind of feed into each other. Consistency is very helpful. Um, doing it regularly helps the progression, helps you to stay active. They all kind of work together. 
But that's kind of our goal when we get together to disciple each other, when we think about each other in prayer, and especially when we come together over the Bible. And both the means of that growth and that measure of that growth, they come only and always from the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, I've asked this question many times before, but it always kind of gets us on the same page. Uh, In the Christian life, how important is glorifying God? Hmm? Primordial. Primordial. I don't even know what that word means. (laughs) (coughs) Go look it up. Learn the definition and write it five times in a sentence. All right. I just got taught. (laughs) What's another uh, another word that could describe? (laughs) Most important. Most important. It is. It is the top of the list. It's the most important thing we should be doing. And since glorifying God should be our focus, right? It's the most important top of the list. If that's our focus, then, and it's our focus while we attempt to encourage each other to pray, to teach, to counsel, to help each other, all the different deeds of discipleship, then our God-glorifying focus, which is at the top of our list, the passion of our hearts should probably, should probably, sorry, something we like to say when that's not what we mean in our language, but should fall on the Bible. Because if our focus is the top of our list is to glorify God, this book is designed to make people glorify God. That is what it does. So if you admit that to yourself, this is the top of my list. This is what I do. Of course. Of course I want to glorify God. It's absolute. Of course. It's, it's like, do you read this? Well, not, not regularly. It's like, well, this is how you do it. So this should be your focus. should be your foundation. should be what you're thinking about. Everything that we know about Christ that is certain, we know from looking at his word. Our goal in discipling is not to be a source of counsel, the source of counsel um, for our brothers and sisters, right? That might sound wrong, right? Like, why would I not be the source of counsel? Well, we're supposed to counsel our brothers and sisters to the word. We're supposed to get them to the word to be counseled, whether that's reciting it to them or taking time to open it and be like, you need counsel. Let's look where the counsel is, God's counsel. That's helpful. And of course, I'm not saying, you know, counselors in our world, they have their, you know, they're, uh, they're there for a reason. But it tends to be more so anecdotal, a more fringe type of thing. In general, going to the council of the word is going to solve most of our issues and cause most of our growth. Um, the one-on-one counselor, of course, not bashing it. It's just, this is the main way that we do it. Um, so you have to imagine like a pipe or a conduit. Um, or it made me think of uh, the summer's coming, but being a kid in the summer, and at least being a chubby kid in the summer, and being covered in sweat <laughs> from playing, and mom is watering the garden, and so you walk up and you're like, spray me, spray me, I'm so hot, please. And she gives you like a mist sprays, right? Well, we need to be um, like hoses, just spraying the word of God <laughs> on each other, uh, or the kid who's covered in mud, and like, it's gonna be more than a mist, right? Well, you get it. 
you know, we need to be push or uh, sharing the word of God on each other, getting each other to the hose, getting each other to be refreshed, to be cleansed, uh, to have life through the word of God. Um, so again, you don't need the credentials of a professional counselor. The council is here. Um, you do need to work on it together. I don't think there's any point with this where you can kind of say, I'm done, I'm an expert, it's over, like, good to go. No, we're all working together constantly in this book to grow. So, so one of the big things I'd like you to walk away with today that really, really influences the motivation to love the Word of God and study the Word of God and be close to the Word of God in wanting to be a better disciple is the fact that the Word of God does three incredible things for us. It creates, it sustains, and it secures us. And since we're talking about the Word of God, let's open up the Word of God. Um, let's look at Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The dry bones, baby. Dry bones. I'll read uh, 1 through 6, and then if somebody wants to take it from there, again, we're looking at Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. All right. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Prophesy, interesting. Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Somebody want to take 7 through 10? <clears throat> Thanks. So I prophesied as I was commanded... And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews in them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, on and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he was commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Amazing. So I want to read 11 through 14. Sure. <clears throat> then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of the graves, my people, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Incredible, uh, incredible image um, that Ezekiel got to see there and that we now get to see with the Holy Spirit helping us to see it. Um, but I think you get the point. We literally see God putting the sinew and everything and the flesh back onto the bones of just dead, dry bones. Um, he creates with, how, with his speaking. And he also does it through Ezekiel, which I thought was beautiful. He tells Ezekiel, which was his, you know, speaking for him, his word, to prophesy, and they are created. Uh, we see the same thing uh, directly from God in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, as we know. Um, he speaks, everything is created. He speaks, man is created. Um, so all of us, <clears throat> you can kind of see this as, this is a little bit of a justification, sanctification, glorification thing. But at the same time, they all continue in a certain way right now. But when we were first made a new creation, it was the word of God, the gospel, that changed us. Um, and then as we continue, our minds are renewed. They're almost sort of recreated every moment. Um, he is constantly making things new, making things better, as we are brought closer and closer to Christ. The word of God creates, sustains, and secures us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's where it's leading us. Uh, so it sustains us as well. If you want to turn to Psalm 119, we'll look at 9 through 16 there. I'll read a 9 through 12, and then somebody could take the rest. Psalm 119, 9 through 16, here's 9 through 12. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Somebody read 13 through 16, please. With my lips I declare all the rules of God. In the way of your testimonies, I delight in all the scriptures. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Yeah, so this is drenched with uh, sustenance. Um, being sustained in our Christian walk, keeping our way pure, um, guarding our way, um, uh, keeping us from wandering, all these things, keeping us forward, keeping us from deteriorating, from going off. Um, rules, all the rules of your mouth, rules will help sustain. <laughs> Lack of rules help the opposite. Um, delight, you can say that too in verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. How does delight not help? 
How is being delighted not help us sustain as we go forward as Christians? I think being not delighted is where things can start to fall apart. So it's extremely helpful in that way. And then we could flip a page or two to Psalm 119, 152. 152 of Psalm 119. We'll look quickly there at how the Word of God secures us. All right, Psalm 118, 152. Someone want to read that? Mm-hmm. Long I have known from your testimonies. You have founded them forever. Yeah, that's a big one. Let's go to Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I'm now going to do an exposition of this and annoy everyone. I'm just kidding. Um, All right, so I'm going to read 11 through 13, and then if somebody wants to read the rest. So 11 through 13, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Sorry, I was thinking that Johnny Cash song. Uh, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Does somebody want to read 14 through 16? probably even sense just just right now just taking a second to read that little passage together the reality of uh, the security that we have the hope that we have that's coming to really believe that this is true that this is the way it is with Christ how he's going to deal with things there's a lot of security there so that's just a little taste of how the word of God creates sustains and secures us why it's so important with moving forward with discipleship. Thanks for reading. So in our context, we can look forward to the Bible creating, sustaining, and securing us through Bible study as we study it closer. Because by the grace and the power of God, this is something really great for us. Our church really cares about the Bible. That doesn't happen in every church. Or there are some churches where they're trying and they're growing, but they're not maybe quite not there yet. Thankfully, we have a church that really cares. We have classes that teach the Bible. And Davey, we're very blessed with Davey, who every week is expositing the Bible, and he is uh, challenging us. It's compelling. Um, It's helping us to grow. All kinds of things. Um, So we're really blessed in that sense. Uh, That's something I've shared before, but I saw at Overland a lot, uh, which is our, our buddy church that's helping us do this. 
But at Overland, it's close to, or uh, there were a lot of people from the Air Force that would come there. And they'd come from all over the, you know, sometimes the globe. And almost every single time, a person would stop at Overland and be like, this, uh, this, we've been looking for a church like this. This does, it's weird that we found it here in Papillion. Um, there's not a lot of churches that really care about the Bible. And uh, of course, Davy came from there, and we're trying to keep that going here. And so far, by the grace and the power of God, it's been happening. So we should be careful not to take that for granted, because it's clear that there's a huge problem with Christians um, in our nation not taking the Bible seriously, not feeling the same about the Bible the way that we do. Um, and on top of that, and thankfully, I haven't seen any pushback here with, with the people here. I think we're all in this place of it's always, always good to be reminded of what the Bible says. I don't think I've heard anybody here like hear like John 3.16 and be like, oh, I'm so sick of that verse. <laughs> that happens places. That happens. But I think most people are just like, oh, yeah, hit me again. Oh, it's so good. I want another bite. So that's a good thing. Like I'm saying, like, good on you. Most of all, good on God. Good on Christ. All glory be to Christ for that. But that's a huge deal. It's not many years ago. There's some statistics from not many years ago. 11% of Americans read the Bible daily. 18% of born-again Christians read the Bible every day. But 23% of born-again Christians say that they never read the Word of God. Uh, that is scary stuff. Um, so we should probably think, you know, we're looking at humans. We're looking at the way that they treat the Bible. Let's look at God and look at how he treats the Bible. Um, let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. We'll read some of these. Um, for the sake of time, we'll might breeze past some of them. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. Hey, Chris. Yeah, sure. Would it help if we each took one and looked it up and was ready to read it? Oh, yeah, I forgot I wrote them here. <laughs> All right, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. I'll take that. We already did this one earlier, Psalm 119, 9 through 16. But if somebody wants to take Psalm 119, 28, anybody? Anybody want that one? Single verse? Mike's got it. Matthew 4, 4. I can take that. Awesome. And I'll do Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Somebody got 2 Timothy 3, 16 ready to? <laughs> and then we got Hebrews 4, 12. So Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you ride. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Yeah, so you see there that God is saying about his word that it should be applied all over our lives, all over the place. Doesn't really, really uh, leave any room for it to be like, I don't really read that. I'm a Christian, but I don't really read that. So that's a huge one. And as we saw in Psalm 119, 9 through 16, God's word makes our way pure. And we talked about that last week with the context of the local church. We work together to stay pure. That's one of the reasons that we're here. Uh, that was one of the 10 reasons uh, of the non-exhaustive list that we had. In Psalm 119.28, you read that, please. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. 
So it's right there. God's word strengthens us in difficult times, even when our soul melts away for sorrow. Sure, that's been felt. doesn't feel every day. But when it comes, ooh, the word of God gives us strength. Matthew 4.4. 4. Uh, Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth. So that's pretty direct. We live by God's word. We don't hobby God's word or consider God's word uh, while living other things. We live by God's word. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, oh, love this passage. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So if we hear God's word and act upon it, We build upon a firm foundation. As we disciple each other, that's an important thing to kind of start with and to keep in mind with the things that are being said. The person you're discipling is saying something and it's like, this feels very sandy. (laughs) This is not good. That's why we can return and be like, hey, wait, take a step over here. I think, feel like you're kind of off in the sand right here. Let's get the word of God going. Then you can both stand on solid ground and learn something. Sometimes that's all it, that's like one of the biggest things we can do for each other is just get each other to stand on solid ground again. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there we see scripture is very practically useful in the most important aspects of the Christian life. It equips us for every good work, which people see. They see that light, and then they want to seek Christ um, and hear the gospel. Hebrews 4.12. Does anyone have Hebrews 4.12? All right. It's amazing uh, the way it's described. And I think we saw an interesting apocalyptic version of that uh, in the Revelation section we just read. But through God's word, we can recognize the sin in our hearts. It can cut deeply. Um, and through God, it's, it's almost like God's uh, tool for doing surgery on us and pulling things out. So from these passages, it's very clear that God thinks and is telling us that the word of God is very beneficial to us every single day. Um, It seems foolish to not be studying God's word, yet we struggle to be consistent. Um, What are some excuses that maybe, what's like, if you have an excuse for not reading the word, what's the reoccurring one? Or are you being attacked in a way where it's like, well, it's always something different. There's always something. So it's not one thing. It's like, there's always a new problem. I can't help it. You know, I can't read the thing. There's always something. I know for me, when I was younger, I just thought it was boring. So that was my excuse. It's like, the word of God's boring. I don't want to read it. I don't get it. I don't 
I don't. I think the Middle East is boring. I don't. <laughs> that was my reason when I was younger. What about you guys? Have any excuses to admit? I've heard that one. Yeah, that's a pretty serious one. That's a tough one, because, yeah, I don't know. That's, I'm just like, is there five minutes? <laughs> you know, it's like, I know, I know, but see, I love your reaction there, because that's exactly how I feel. It's like, is there five minutes? Though? It's like, yeah, I mean, there is five. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah. In the end, I mean, five is... I mean, how much better is that than nothing, you know? And especially at the beginning of the day, right before you, and then the whole work day, you got that five minutes kind of like ringing in your head. It's different. Um, and that's, that's an excuse for me. Sometimes I don't want to read it because I don't want to think about it. I'm thinking about other stuff. And you know what? I like thinking about those other things. I don't want this to, because I, I know when I read the word of God, it's going to be so good. It's just going to push that stuff out of my mind. It's like, but I'm interested in thinking about that movie and how people are saying it's bad, but I thought it was good. It's like, it's useless, you know? Any other before we move forward? Some excuses? Yeah, the same thing that can have the same impact that that experience is disillusionment. Oh. You know, just seeing, you know, things not turn out the way that you anticipated. Oh. And, and just kind of seeing, it's like, you know, it's not as though the Word of God has failed. There's there's lots of passages in Scripture that say, hey, sometimes people reject. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it's just realizing that, you know, when disillusionment comes along, that it's like, if you're not turning to the Word, you're never going to realize, it's never going to sink in that, well, no, that's part and parcel of mm-hmm. ministering the Word. Yeah. It- so there's going to be those disappointments. Yeah. So I've had this problem where I set a goal, for instance, go through the Bible in a year, and then when, you know, January 20th comes along, I'm already way behind. <laughs> I start to uh, lose heart. Yeah. And, you know, by March or April, I'm not even. On the plan, so mm-hmm. um, it's I don't know I don't know what to call that, but sometimes I it's like I'm falling short of what I think I should be doing, and therefore I get failure of expectations and, and, I just sort of like, and creation of expectations. And, and I don't have a you know, I get out, then I get away from any kind of discipline. So right. it's like, you know. Um, it's amazing how long that can persist. People can get caught in that for like 10 years. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, it's, still, it's my problem. I got to fix it. It's like, well, maybe you might have to just try something different. Like if you keep failing at it and then it leads you in a spiral, well, you know. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great excuse. I don't know where you're going with it, but to me, that's the answer is like when you say it. Realize there are, um, I don't know. There are a lot of ways to consume God's word. Right. And so. Yeah, I know one of the answers you found was audio. That's like yeah, more helpful. I, I listen to the Bible a lot more than I read it nowadays mm-hmm. because just concentration-wise, I'm able to really consume it better that way. And, yeah. And that's okay. See, I thought for yes. years, <laughs> years and years that I was failing, that I, you know. 
But it's like, no, I mean, that's good. I'm consuming his word. That's the way most Christians throughout the ages have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think both those reasons, all of these reasons, but both of those for sure, um, you're, you're sitting down with God and you're meeting with him and listening to what he has to say. And these reasons are like, you know, like, well, I'm listening to what you have to say, but things are turning out a lot different than I thought that they would, so I don't really know if I want to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> or I'm listening to what you have to say, but... When it comes to like really processing it, I'm not doing it as much as I expected to. So I don't really know if I'm just maybe not going to show up for a while. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like as soon as you break it apart with like the relationship, it starts to be like, why am I doing that? I don't know why I'm doing that. That is so beautiful. I am so thankful for that. (laughs) It's time. It's time. I need you. We need to. Little little sheep needs to walk back to a shepherd. I need you every hour. It's like I need you every second. (laughs) Every moment. Um, So through these, uh, yeah, we've been reminded uh, that God's word is very, it's crucial, it's primordially (laughs) important for our growth as Christians. Um, Let's look at Bible study for a second. So practically speaking, Bible study, um, it's all too easy for us to, or let's look at reading the Bible, sorry. It's too easy for us to find other things to do than read the Bible or reasons, deep down reasons, to not read it. Uh, But to be very practical, we need to encourage each other to read the Bible regularly uh, before we encourage them to meditate on the Bible. Um, Sometimes people are too intimidated by too much reading. Um, It may be a helpful point, and you can take this with you. Um, The Bible can be read out loud in about around 70 hours. So, and there are audio versions of the Bible to prove this. So you could read the Bible out loud for an hour every day and get through the Bible four to five times in a year. Just something to think about. Or you can read it for 30 minutes, get it two to three times, two, or two to two and a half times. So it's there. It's like, are we going to dedicate? Um, are we going to centralize it, right? Is reading the Bible regular, is the Bible going to become like the central part of your life and you're going to base everything else around it? Uh, when friends are like, but we haven't seen each other in a long time. Come on, man. You're like, yeah, but I've, I can't move this structure. I can't. If I move it, the house falls, so I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm offended. It's like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I don't mean if anybody. Next time, it's like, you know, got to stick to this. Uh, and this is a really, really, like Mike was talking about, this is a very good time. Very good time to be a Bible reader. The resources are ridiculous for reading the Bible and understanding it, which is good that they're plentiful because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So we need to do so. Um, We need to encourage each other to find a time of day, to set aside a time of day for consistency. That's That's just psychology. Consistency, like getting your circadian rhythms going, like picking a specific time, that can be very, very helpful for being consistent with reading the Bible 
every day. But it's not just reading the Bible, right? The passages that we read earlier speak of how we can grow and we can learn from God's word. As disciples, we need to encourage each other to grow from our reading. Um, and one thing that's very good for us to do is to be quick to pray when reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. Well, as we go through certain sections, even if it's something we've seen a million times or something that we don't really understand, it's good to like have a constant, you know, you're sitting down with him maybe. You have a constant thing going like, help me to understand this. Help me to understand this. <laughs> it's like this constant prayer and reading and studying and just reading and understanding and all these things being convicted all, all happening at the same time um, but so that's something helpful we can do in Psalm 119 18 he does that uh, the psalmist he says open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law I think that's a pretty good way to approach it you can you can recite that to yourself whenever you open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law today out of the word of God. Uh, we also need to encourage each other to actually study and meditate on the text. There are some sheets that I didn't sit out on a table, but they're on that table over there um, that you could take with you. They're the longer, just full-size sheets. But those sheets, um, they just have a process that you can use to study passages. Um, basically, you have your general reading, right? You pick a passage, because when you're reading, God will have something, almost always. <laughs> Maybe if you're reading a genealogy, it might be confusing. But almost always, there should be something there, that, especially if you're doing a reading plan, because reading plans do old, new, they're all over the place. Something will strike you, and that's God. Something will strike you. So you take that passage, hopefully somewhere around a few verses, because if it's too long, it'd be kind of tough. So you pick your passage. And once you've picked your passage, repetition is super, super helpful. Reread it a lot of times. Um, I know even five can feel like a lot, depending on the length of it. But man, read it 20 times if you can. It works. Like, this isn't like other books. Strange things, you know, strange in the most God-glorifying way happen when reading this book. Remember that. This is not like other books. You know, I can read the same sentence about Sam carrying Frodo up the mountain over and over, and I think I'm going to get it, like, the second time. But with this book, if you read it over and over, things, you're, like, renewing your mind. I mean, if you could walk on a treadmill straight for a long time, you could do this. It changes you from the inside out, eternally. It's a good thing. So read it over and over. And also read and think about over and over the context surrounding the passage. And then this is really helpful. They had me do this in school. And this is really easy to do if you've read it over and over. Rewrite what you rewrite the passage in your own words. That's not wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not taking what you wrote and being like, this is it. No, it's for yourself. It's to grow. If you rewrite it with your own words, you're going to think very carefully about how you, how you write it. Because it has to be true. And I think that's something really helpful too when we're, maybe when we're reading and we're like, I, I feel kind of like disinterested today. If you try to like rewrite it, you're gonna be like, this is actually very complicated and very interesting. Um, I was just kind of assuming it wasn't, but when I try to write it, it's, that's pretty amazing. I've seen that happen a lot with music. Like, oh, that band stinks. You're like, well, play the, play the riff. It's like, I can't play that. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess it's kind of hard. Um, another thing is pray through the text. 
anybody, everybody kind of know what that means? Pray through the text. You get to a specific part of the text that's maybe calling you to do something. Pray that you would do it. Pray that your fellow brothers and sisters would do it. Don't even just think just about yourself. Pray for them as well. You get to a part that's convicting. Pray about that. You get to a part about God that's incredible. Praise him for that in prayer. You do that. It's going to be really easy to remember it too. What was that? Oh, sorry. And then uh, look for and pray for applications. And also, as kind of like a, a meter for some people, you might be in a situation where you need to read less and meditate more. Um, and that could be tough, especially if you're starting out reading and you're like, well, I want to like read this thing. Go for it. Read it. Read it all. Get it read. Um, if you must, if you must do it, unless you keep failing, <laughs> you're like, I don't want it. I feel bad. Then, you know, find a different way. Go slower, whatever it takes. God, God wants you to finish it. It'll be fine. But when you get to that point where you're like, okay, like maybe you need to read a little bit and just be like, I'm going to go through a process for three months where I read a small section and I think it to death, like all day. I just keep thinking, sorry, I guess it would be thinking it to life all day, just over and over and over, thinking about it. What does that have to do with a chair? What does that have to do with this situation? What does that have to do with the politics I'm annoyed about? Just over and over. What does that have to do with my sin? Sometimes reading less and meditating more can be helpful, but I'm not discouraging reading the Bible. Read as much as you need to. Um, Also, and this is more so on the sheet, inductive Bible study. It's a widely used process. It's super helpful. It goes with three things. We talked about this in the How to Study the Bible class. I'll be brief with it. But the inductive Bible study method is uh, it's when you look at the passage, you look at um, what it says, what it means, and how it applies. And that is observation, interpretation, application. Observation, you just look at it. You don't put anything into it. You don't think it over. You don't think it through. You're just like, what is going on here? And I've described this as like a detective walking on a, on a crime scene. It's like, there's a guy laying there. There's that thing missing. That's it. I'm not, I'm not working on my hunch. It's just, that's what it looks like. And then, because if you do the work to do that, then it's going to be much easier to get to interpretation. And then if you do the work to do the interpretation, it's going to be much easier to do the right application. I don't know about you guys, but there's been plenty of times meeting with people who know the Bible very well. Where if we stick with, if we jump right to application and we stay in application for a while, the conversation, in my experience, every single time has always gone over into the sand or has always gone into the weeds at some point because we're not talking about the Bible. So we lose our foundation and we start talking about all these applications. Then we're like, and we said, somebody says something that's like, well, I don't know about that. And because we weren't talking about what the Bible actually says. We were just talking about what we thought about it all the time. Um, So, very helpful. There's books out there you can get um, that help you understand exegesis and hermeneutics. Um, I'll just write that in case you want to look at it later. Exegesis. This is uh, what Davy does every week when he teaches us. Oh... Here we go. I don't know if I can spell. I think I'm spelling it right. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. 
exegesis and hermeneutics, exegesis, and this is a very brief definition, but exegesis is, um, in exegesis, you interpret the text in its original context. Um, you're going up to it with your shovel, and you're saying, like, this is it. This is what it meant at the time. This is what it says. This is what it means. This is how it applies. I'm going to dig out of that and bring it out and then live the Christian life. And then in hermeneutics, you interpret the text in today's context. It's like, it means that there. So because of that, because of that, like, looking over the course of the Bible and then bringing it all the way to this time, it must mean this, very likely, or it can apply here in my life. Do you mean contextualization? Sure. That's definitely part of it. Okay. I just, hermeneutics is like the principles of interpretation. Right. So it's like the, the principles you would go by in exegesis. Right. You've got the digging out, and you've got the specific principles that you follow, and yes, leads to, sorry, contextualization. Uh, bringing it to this uh, specific moment in your life. Um, but, and the, all the more reason to get a book and read more about it. But uh, if you look at these books and you work on them with somebody else, it can be really helpful. Um, it's very easy to not do these things, to create your own principles, um, to put yourself into the word instead of pulling out of the word, and then from there, uh, like brutally failing at contextualizing or not contextualizing at all. Um, so we've been talking a lot about encouragement and uh, encouraging regular reading, encouraging meditation, encouraging inductive Bible study, and encouraging a proper interpretation. Um, how do you think that we can be deliberate with each other in encouraging these things and encouraging Bible study and encouraging regular reading Yeah, that's a good situation. So let's say we've got one of us who you're talking to one of us and you're like, how's, how's the reading going? How's the regular reading going? It's like, well, I started off in it, but honestly, I, I, I don't even know the reason, but I stopped. It's like, how long has it been? It's been a month. How would, how would you respond? How do you think you would encourage that person? They don't know. I, I doubt that. I think you do. <laughs> so you come right out of the gate like, oh, you well, know. <laughs> you, I'd say, come on, you know. Depends on the person. So, in short, but yeah, finding out, well, if you don't know the reason, like, let's let's walk through some things. What's the reason, you know? That's helpful. Yeah. I think a non-confrontational way. One that doesn't so scratch what I said. <laughs> no, this is the other side of the coin. A non-confrontational way would be just say, hey, uh, would you like to, to meet on a weekly basis? Even if it's just like a, a call or something, you know, a video call or whatever, to just sit and discuss. Say, hey, let's discuss what we're reading. You know, let's, how about every, you know, Tuesday evening, 
you know, we give each other a call or we meet for coffee or something, just talk about what we're reading. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like setting up that accountability that says, you know, okay, you know, I have to discuss this with this person this week. You know, we're reading the same book together or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little more positive way yeah. you know, of doing it, not confrontational. Well, that's beautiful because it's converting it immediately, right? Like we we're talking about in the last like four weeks, somebody's like, I don't know. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to jump a few steps and just be like, let's get together and disciple. <laughs> it's like answering the call immediately. Like, well, I need to keep reading my book. You're not reading it. Let's do it. Yeah. Then it doesn't feel like an ambush. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you know, you don't just ambush people mm -hmm. on the spine. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not going to facilitate good relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, being proactive and, and saying planning for something, giving them a chance to plan for it. Right. I mean, that's much more brotherly. Sure. And Mary, I know that you would never actually say that. <laughs> right. No. Me and my me and my parents are guilty of the same thing. I would be like your mom. <laughs> yeah. When we're around our when we're around our table, um, that's kind of. I'm not there as much because I'm married now, but that's kind of our place to be very, very passionate about the Bible and the world. And we say things in certain ways, um, passionately, uh, obviously not sin, but passionately. And, uh, but when we're not at the table, we never do that. <laughs> it's like, so I understand you're in a safe space here. You're in a safe environment, but yes, obviously that's how you feel about it, which is good. I like, I'm more like you in that way. The way I feel about it's kind of like, well, <laughs> but the way that it's done by the grace of the power of God is like, what do you, why do you think that is? <laughs> it comes out very soft. So, no, those are good. I knew this guy at church. Every, every time I talk to him, he's like, so what have you been reading lately? So it's sort of like, I knew that. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> every Sunday when I go to the doctor, it's like, well, okay, I have to have something that I read. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, in, in, in my mind, it, it was but accountability. The thing is, I mean, that should be a question. That should be a common question that we ask each other about the foyer or whatever. I'll literally ask. Yeah. I mean, we, we should be saying, "What have you been reading lately?" Like, yeah. 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 I mean, it's that's okay. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's okay if we do that after service today. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not bad to just say, "This is what I've been reading." Well, yeah. <laughs> see, that's what I mean by ambush. It's kind of like putting someone on the spot versus putting yourself on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's a much more positive way that can maybe inspire people. Is that guy always has something to say about what he's been reading? Well, I'd like to be like the guy who knows he's just read something. Mm. I you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Although I'd like to be more. <laughs> although, yeah, I mean, there'd be less arguments in my house. There is something to be said though about like say asking questions. Sure. If oh, sure. Answer the question. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna start. It's okay to say what's your favorite book. But of course, I'll, I'll, I'll ask like, what, what's something in the, what's the, I don't know, something recently that's just, you know, you've heard in the sermon or that you mm -hmm. read that you know really has spoken to you. I mean, I do ask that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that way, it's not you're not putting like a time frame kind of thing, but I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question to ask anyway. I mean, it's just... I think they're all... I think through the grid of when, you know, Scripture emphasizes time and time again about, you know, uh, 
but it says it specifically about leaders, but being an example. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of puts the spotlight on you. It's very easy to be in a position of, you know, putting the spotlight on people. Yeah. And, you know, to put it on yourself and say, well, you know, this is what I've been reading lately, you know, just yeah. try to have a spiritual conversation that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, it's a relationship kind of thing. Mm -hmm. like, right. But I don't yeah. really know something. But you know, they respond, you know what's kind of going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's going to have an impact in their life, too. I mean, you're still bringing the word into it, but you're not doing so in such a way where it's just like, I'm here to seek out how your apathy is going on. You know, uh, let's discover your apathy and talk about that, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. As always, I agree with all of these methods. <laughs> I think that they're all, uh, they could all be used in whatever specific, you know, situation or specific relationship that they need to be used in. Um, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have a, a specific way that you like to do things. Um, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes you got to change it up. I think asking questions is always going to be one of the most helpful things you could ever do. Uh, I think the challenge is a good thing sometimes. But at the same time, and I remember this from relationships class in college, <laughs> but uh, relationships 101, using you statements can sometimes not be as helpful as using I statements. That's worldly wisdom, and it applies. Uh, <laughs> I think just, it's just knowing how to be a nice person. <laughs> yeah, that too. And it makes sense, you know. I mean, let's let's move into something more so that we is much uh, more common. Well, it should be less common, but it's, uh, you went and saw a movie at the theater. If you go up to talk to somebody about the movie, um, you're just like, if you just immediately are just like, what'd you think about that movie? You don't know if they saw it. You don't, you don't know anything. It's like, no, it makes sense that conversations, if you want to talk about something, you set, you lay the ground first. Like, I went and saw this movie. You know, it's like, you start, it's just very basic, yeah, very basic relational just talking. But both are useful. It depends on the person. Obviously, if you're, um, I've dealt with people where if you if you talk about that, um, they're I've dealt with people like this. They're trying so hard to understand everything that you're saying because they process slower than you do, that they're not saying anything now because they're just trying to process what you said. Whereas with those same people, if I ask a question, they're going to talk a lot more. And then on the other side, you could ask somebody a question and they feel assaulted. They feel ambushed. They're like, I don't know, I don't know, just you know. But if you do, you speak first talk a little bit, it kind of gets them revved up and they're able to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, and then they start. It all depends on the person, but all of those are helpful and really good points made on either side of that. Um, so there's a lot of ways that we could encourage. Um, we can do these, uh, we can encourage every time we meet, like today, like we are doing right now, with talking about these things, being open about these things. Um, we can encourage on the Friday night small groups that we have, the prayer meetings, the senior study, all places that we can get together to encourage, all places that we can, during the week, take times to literally like think about, like focused, like how can I encourage somebody else? How do I feel encouraged? Can I give that to somebody else? And then you know, be in the car on the way to Sunday, be like, oh, I've got so much encouragement I'm going to give. I'm so excited. I hope it works. <laughs> it's like, that's like, what kind of love, loving life is that? You know, that's an amazing thing. Um, 
You can spend time together going through the scripture. Always helpful. Um, We've taken a pause through Hebrews to do this, but when we come back, we're going to get back to going through the scripture together. Um, And uh, being deeply encouraged by the superiority of Christ together. And that's encouraging for all of us, especially to do it together. There's something special there with crowds doing something together. It's always been a thing. Um, But we do want to be careful um, that uh, one thing to remember here is that you should be careful with what you teach the person that you're discipling. Um, Always be careful of false teaching. Um, uh, Like just a second ago, I said hermeneutics wasn't very clear about it. <laughs> Jason was very clear to be like, well, I think you mean this, you know, you know, and you just got to admit it, move on, <laughs> you know, be, be humble, be willing to admit like, this is the, the word, uh, God's word. It's not my word. So, uh, when I'm trying, when we get to a place that's a little fuzzy, we're like, I don't know. Let me look into that, or let's look into it right now. Do you have time for that? It's like, well, I don't have time for that now. It's like, okay, let's move on with the passage. I'll, I'll look at it at home and come back to it. Um, and, but another reason, that's another reason why the inductive Bible study, again, the sheets are on that table over there. Um, that's why that method is so good, because you have to do the work to observe and then interpret and then apply. Um, and uh, like we said before, as you continue to meet with people, challenge them and ask them, you know, regularly if they're reading the word. We can even be, and I've heard Davey do this, you can literally ask, how can I encourage you to read the word? <laughs> I've heard Davey ask me that many times. How can I, how are you best encouraged? It's like, wow, this person loves me, that's nice. You know, or maybe we'll feel ambush, you never know. Um, ask uh, each other what they've learned. Um, just like, Farmers are busy, soldiers are busy, teachers are busy, athletes are busy. If you ask them about what they're doing, they're going to have something to say about what they're doing. What they've gathered, um, what they've been acting in their solemnity, how they've been sharing, or um, how they've been challenged to excel. You just do this with the Bible. And really quickly, scripture memorization is really helpful. It's writing the Word of God on your heart. Um, It's semi-explainable but at the same time supernatural it's incredible how it can change you we've just recently been trying to instill this in the worship service Uh, the reason for that is to worship god together but also to encourage you on your own to you know and oh my gosh if you want to talk talk about what mike talked about with failing or feeling or not not be sorry Not meeting expectations. I'm just like, Mike's failure. No, uh, not e- meeting expectations. Oh, memorization. That is where, oh my gosh, I memorize like a whole section of the topical memory system. And then in five days, I can't remember it. So I'm like, well, that's, and then I just don't. It's been a year. So again, that's a great place to learn that. Like, don't just memorize one thing. That's why we're doing one passage a month. Really simple. Um, and it's been really helpful. It's helpful to have that to do whenever you want, just to try to remember it. So memorization is incredibly helpful when we talk when we think about Jesus being tempted by Satan. The passages that Satan uses are generally pretty ones that I don't even know if I can quote, other than the fact that they're in Matthew. Um, <laughs> like they're from you know these these little passages from these places, and then what Jesus does, he responds with like, 
I have a little passage too. Very specific passage that I know by heart. And I'm going to use it to back you down, boy. And it's like the greatest showdown in history. And what does it come down to? What does one of the greatest showdowns in history come down to? Bible memorization. And he needs it. He's like starving. (laughs) It's very, when he was starving, Bible memorization helped him reject Satan. It's incredible. Incredible thing. So it's obviously very helpful. Uh, If you see the guys as a kid, if you see the women playing sports or the guys playing sports, you're like, oh man, it's so cool. It's so like heroic. I want to do that. It's like, this is the hero's story. He quoted scripture and took down Satan. He he backed him off. Um, And if you're looking for memorization, I really, the uh, Awana is always cool. Um, uh, If you have a kid who does it or if you have access to some of the kids' books. Uh, But if you want something more adult, um, not that Awana's not good for adults. The, the Navigator's Ministry, the topical memory system is very good. And there is a, uh, there's, it's called the top, sorry, I'll write it down. There's an app for it, uh, actually, that you get on your phone called Navs, T-M-S. I believe it's free. If it's not, it's very cheap. But it's not like the greatest app ever, but it works. And it's got full sections of different memorization. I can't remember if there's six or 12 or something like that. But they all go through very specific topics, very specific, it's a topical memory system. You get it. That's very helpful. And I talked to my dad about it once. I was like, I think I'm getting into the topical memory system. And he was like, that is the meat of everything I teach. Like he says that because it's written on his heart. It's, he thinks about it all the time because it's in his mind. He memorized the whole thing, he's got it. And so it's just like, because that's on my heart, it's like when I teach, those are the things I think about. It's like, you know, it's very helpful. Um, wrap up here. In summary, uh, remember that we can be, so we're looking to be deliberate disciples, right? We can be deliberate by remembering that the Bible creates, sustains, and secures us, us and each other. You want this for each other as well. And when we get together for discipleship in whatever context of our church or people outside of our church, um, we can get past the insecurities of studying together. Um, we can get past the differences of approach. Maybe you sit down with the Bible, somebody, and they're like, well, I'm kind of looking at it like this. And you're like, well, I'm kind of looking at it like this. Well, things like the, the uh, inductive Bible study could be a common ground for you. We'll be like, well, let's do it like this maybe so that we're on the same page and we can still do our different things when we're apart but when we're together let's try to have some structure and do it but also have our diversities be helpful but there's a huge common ground when you're sitting down with somebody to study the bible to be like okay the goal here is to be renewed to be sustained and to feel secure when we do this and so let's look at that and pull that out for both of us and those are great benefits and because those benefits Uh, Because of those benefits, we can have confidence, we can have growth and endurance and hope as we seek to read the Bible regularly and meditate on what we've read, using inductive Bible study to better understand what we're reading, to properly interpret what we're reading, to memorize what we're reading, so that we have the treasures of Scripture written on our hearts. The belt of truth securely fastened around our waist, keeping everything where it should be.